Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us please stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, selfishness, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your divine hands, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 6, verse 16. Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look, and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it, and find rest for your souls. The return to the ancient path of goodness. On the basis of the study of the ancient path of goodness, we turn to the words of Apostle Paul, who according to the mercy and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was able to, in short and concise definitions, to form the contents of the order present in the teaching of Christ. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. Therefore, sprinkling our souls with the reigning teaching of Christ, and being clothed in the armor of light that is contained in the rulership of this teaching, let us build ourselves into the house of God, because it is impossible to twice lay a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So here, as we know, are presented four base teachings, the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And we together were instructed that each of the four teachings presented in the marvelous teaching of Jesus Christ has a tripartite nature, making up 12 parts in total. Revelation 21, 14 through 19. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. Today, Today, during our service, we will try to grasp all of these 12 foundations and the names of the 12 Apostles of the Lamb that are written on them. We know that the image of each precious stone on the 12 foundations of the walls of heavenly Jerusalem is an image of a certain component that yields the character of a good heart. The name of the Apostle represents the dignity and nature of each precious stone. That's why when we look at the name of the Apostle, 
and there are 12 of them, then it is them that they that they, who highlight the characteristics of the precious stone. And the precious stone talks about certain characteristics of our good heart. And today we will cover the 12 apostles. We won't just meet with them so that then in eternity we can know who we are greeting. But when we are greeting with Simon, the son of Jonah, called Cephas, Pef, uh, Peter, then we will understand one another because those qualities, those characteristics and names that were found in his name in which he coincided with, these characteristics also became our characteristics and they were transformed into something precious, into precious stones. So all the names of the apostles, all their characteristics that are contained in them, if they will find a place in our good heart, then scripture will call them precious stones. That's why each name with its characteristics, which the apostles had, must become and find a place in our heart to make our heart precious before the eyes of the Lord. Scripture says that we are affirmed on the basis of the apostles and prophets and that we have Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. And so the 12 foundations and today we will look at all these foundations and in a summary, remember the name of each of the apostles and what it means for us. And so the first is water baptism, the first foundation made out of jasper. Revelation 21.19 The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper. The name that was engraved on the first foundation out of jasper was Simon Jonah called Cephas, which means Peter or Rock. John chapter 1 verses 35 through 42 says, Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Kephas, which is translated a stone. Peter. The name of Simon's father was Jonah. Jonah means dove. Matthew 10.16 says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We know that the dove personified the simplicity natural to the Holy Spirit. The virtues and qualities of the Holy Spirit's simplicity in here, in the nature of infants who love their parents without envy and who, although they become angry and cry in response to pain and cruelty, are incapable of resenting and judgment those who hurt them. That's why they are a part of the kingdom of heaven and they can partake in the breaking of bread. Romans sixteen nineteen says, For your obedience has become known to all, therefore I am glad on your behalf. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. So this simplicity, what is simplicity? Simplicity means pure, innocent, undamaged, true, honest, genuine, meek, peace-loving, blameless, virgin, not wrathful, not guilty, guileless, sterling, healthy, whole, without impurities. We will see that in the doctrine of water baptism, we find not only the quality of simplicity in the name Jonah, but the ability to hear what the Spirit says to the churches in the name Simon, because the name Simon means to hear. And so to hear with our heart the preached word about the kingdom of heaven in our hearts, it is necessary for a heart to be simple, which in practice means to accept the Holy Spirit as Lord and ruler of our life. That is why when Jesus saw a person with the attributes and qualities of a name such as Jonah and Simon, 
He said to him, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Kephas. Kephas means Petra, living rock, cornerstone of life. In the name Kepha, Jesus revealed his Christ, his church, who will not be overcome by the gates of hell in the face of the flesh, wicked world, and demons. Matthew 16, 18-19 And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. They will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This was the astonishing baptism in water that is presented in the precious jasper stone on which the name Simon, son of Jonah, called Kephas, was written. We must have the quality of simplicity. You must have the quality of hearing. Simplicity and hearing. I hear the word of God, and my heart is pure. It is simple. A virgin, it has been cleansed of dead works. We must unite Simon and Kephas, a heart cleansed of dead works, virgin, that we receive through a heart cleansed of dead works what the Spirit says to the church. And we are then called Kephas Peter, who will overcome. And at the end, if we have enough time, we will look very quickly at those names that are most commonly present among the apostles. And the name Simon and the name James are two names that are very often present among the names of the apostles, for example, Simon the son of Jonah, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Simon. Three times we see the name Simon. This means that here the Holy Spirit, through Christ, wanted to show how important the ability to hear is. If Simon the son of Jonah allows us to hear what the Spirit says to the churches, then the next name, Simon the Canaanite, Canaanite, uh, zealous, or he who fulfills the word of God. In this name of the apostle, we can, that word that we heard, fulfill it. And then Simon, Judah Simon, now we, with this name, can proclaim the word of God, praise to God, which the Lord can hear. This we will look at at the end if we have enough time. All right, furthermore, baptism in the Holy Spirit is a second foundation and it is presented in the precious stone sapphire, Revelation 21:19. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The foundation, second one, was sapphire. The name of the apostle written on this foundation was Andrew, Matthew 10, 1 through 2. And the names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. The name Andrew means courageous and strong, which points to the fact that the character of his name symbolizes the qualities and roles of the Holy Spirit who brings people to God and inspires them to fulfill their calling. As we know, it is Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, who apart from the rest of the apostles, first met with Christ and then brought his brother Simon with him. And here are the qualities and characteristics that are present in the Apostle Andrew and his name. This is strong, immovable, and courageous. These are the qualities of the Holy Spirit, and these are the qualities of the Apostle. And these characteristics must become the characteristics of our heart. For what reason? So that our heart can become a precious sapphire stone. If we don't have the quality of courage, of strength, of firmness, 
then the Lord will never be able to view our heart as the precious sapphire stone. Let us look at certain places of scripture that talk about courage, of strength, and firmness. First one, Joshua 1, 6 through 9. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Be strong and of good courage. So, this character that the Lord placed in the name Andrew. Furthermore, Psalms 45, verses 3 through 4. Gird your sword upon your thigh, O mighty one, with your glory and your majesty, and in your majesty ride prosperously because of truth, humility, and righteousness, and your right hand shall teach you awesome things. Therefore, on this second foundation, out of sapphire, we saw qualities such as courage, the strength of the Holy Spirit, and firmness of the Spirit. A firm spirit you keep in perfect peace, Scripture says. Baptism and fire is a third foundation, and it represents the precious Chalcedony stone. Revelation 21.19 says, The foundations of the wall of the city were adored with all kinds of precious stones, the third Chalcedony. The name that is engraved on the third foundation was the name James the son of Zebedee. Matthew 10.2 Now the names of the twelve apostles are these, first Simon, second Andrew, and third James the son of Zebedee. And the Lord spread the portion of James Zebedee and gave him another name. This is written in Mark chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Then he appointed twelve, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. From whom did he place? Simon and James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder. Another name that was added for James the son of Zebedee. This word means sons of thunder, herald of the wrath of God, fulfillers of God's wrath, the spokesmen of the zeal of God, and sons of divine fire. In the name James lies the root Ames, which means to leave a mark, to defend, win, hold captive. And the name of his father Zebedee means fisherman. In Greek it means God gifts or the gift of God. The combination of these three names on the third foundation of the wall of New Jerusalem means that God will protect His holiness and people through the gift of His grace that is contained in the dignity of His all-consuming and devouring zeal. God is going to protect His holiness and people through the gift of His grace that is contained in the dignity of His all-consuming and devouring zeal. This is James Zebedee called Boanerges. Deuteronomy 4.24 says, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Fiery zeal and fire baptism is called to separate the chosen remnant out of Jerusalem and Mount Zion. Out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant, and those who escape from Mount Zion, the zeal of the Lord of hosts, will do this. Furthermore, fire zeal and fire baptism is called to burn the thorns and briars that devour the seed of the kingdom of heaven in us. Isaiah 10:17. So the light of Israel will be for a fire, and his holy one for a flame. It will burn and devour his thorns and his briars in one day. Also, fiery zeal and fire baptism is called to be expressed in humility before the will of God. 
James chapter 4 verses 5 through 6, or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns zealously, but he gives more grace, therefore he says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so, also, fiery zeal and fire baptism is called to be expressed in the payment for gold refined in fire. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire, that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. Here is how we see the fire of God's zeal present. This zeal must be present in us as well. The Lord wants to separate His chosen remnant. The Lord wants to burn the briars and the thorns. And the Lord wants us to demonstrate humility before His Warden to pay the price for the gold refined in fire. This is presented to us in the format of the preached word. And all of this will help. Uh, all, we will be able to do this through James, Zebo, uh, James Zebedee, Bow Energies, Sons of Thunder. Let us continue on and look at another person and that characteristic or another apostle that characteristic that must be in us this is the covenant of blood the fourth foundation precious stone emerald revelation 21 19 the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones the fourth emerald the name that is engraved on the fourth foundation of the wall of heavenly jerusalem is john the son of Zebedee. Matthew 10.2 Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. Third, John, his brother. John, the son of Zebedee. These were two brothers, James and John. This means that those two characteristics that these two men have, these two brothers, they were very precious for Christ. And he wanted to take them into his command so that their names could become the characteristics of our heart. And when they become the characteristics of our heart, then our heart, as we read here, will become a, a sardius, a emerald, rather, emerald chalcedony, so that our heart can coincide to these components. Can we, without the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, have all of these dignities and virtues? The answer is no, we cannot. That's why many will be astonished when they see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we will see the Apostles, Patriarchs. In the book of Revelations, God had shown how Jerusalem ought to be, what the qualities ought to be. Everything He laid out, the colors, the characteristics, so detailed. He spent His time, although He has a lot of time, but for us, he took the time having explained all these details to us and shown us these details, and we right now are looking into them. And so James and John, John, his brother, they were also called the name Boanerges. And we have already noted that Boanerges literally means sons of thunder, heralds of the wrath of God, fulfillers of God's wrath, the spokesmen of the zeal of God and sons of divine fire. The name John means Yahweh is merciful. The name of his father, Zebedee, means fisherman. 
In Greek, it means God gifts or the gift of God. And the combination of these three names, John, Zebedee, Boanerges, means that God will demonstrate His mercy in people through the gift of His grace that is contained in the virtue of His all-consuming and devouring zeal. God will demonstrate His grace, but in what virtue? In the virtue of His all-consuming and devouring zeal. Well, we might think it's difficult to see grace in these kind of shades in devouring fire. This is how it is presented. Hebrews 10, 28-29 says, Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy in the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you suppose? Will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he has sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? Again, then how much more do you think will be the punishment will be the one who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? And John Zebedee, he represents for us the covenant of blood. He who tramples the blood of the covenant will be trampled by God. And to trample the blood of the covenant is when we try to, try to earn our salvation. Justification is impossible to earn. It is necessary to accept. And then once we have accepted justification, now we need to pay a price. We pay a price not to receive justification, but we, having been justified, pay a price so that we can demonstrate the fruit of holiness. We pay the price only for the reason to, to grow the fruit of holiness and not to earn justification. To receive justification once I have sinned, I come and I repent before God. I, just, I receive justification as a gift, and then I begin to pay a price by practicing righteousness. And when people don't know this, and when this is not taught in churches, can you imagine the terrible exodus for them? They need to know that they are counting the blood of the covenant and trampling it. We need to have three qualities to to honor the blood of the covenant, just to have three names, John, Zebedee, Boanerges. The next teaching of the covenant of solid fifth foundation made out of sardonic stone. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones, the fifth sardonyx. The name of the apostle that was engraved on the fifth foundation of the wall of heavenly Jerusalem was the name of the apostle Philip. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these, the fifth Philip, Matthew 10.2. As we already know, the name Philip means lover of horses. We should note that in the meaning of the name Philip, we are referring to God's love that is only towards those horses that are His belonging and are sent by Him to sanctify Him and represent the interests of His holiness. Again, the name Philip, we are referring to God's love that is only toward those horses that are His belonging and are sent by Him to sanctify Him and represent the interests of His holiness. A horse is a symbol of battle. And therefore, in the fifth foundation, the purpose of a battle horse is called to lead the battles of God. Proverbs 21, 31. It is written, The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but all deliverance is of the Lord. Thus, the name Philip, that is on the fifth foundation of the wall of heavenly Jerusalem, 
made out of sardonyx stone means the calling to praise God in our bodies and souls on the basis of the requirements that are contained in the powers of the covenant of salt. So he represents the covenant of salt. And under this horse, the Lord also views our body, our body, which is the carrier of the holy God. 1 Corinthians 6.20 For you were brought bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your soul, which are God's. And we agree with this revelation that we are called to hallow God, glorify God in our bodies and in our souls, in our perishable bodies and in our mortal souls, because they are God's. How did they become God's? They became God's when we had accepted justification as a gift of grace through redemption in Christ Jesus. And having accepted justification, the Lord saved our spirit, which became in the likeness of God and we know that the other two substances, our mortal soul, our character, and our perishable body that is ailing, that is dying, that is suffering, they are called to be saved. And in order to save them, it is necessary to see that they are the portion of God. And as soon as we understand that not just our spirit, but our soul and our body are the portion of God, then the Lord will enable our soul and our body to serve Him. Therefore, to be a battle horse is to say, Lord, I thank you that you have saved my mortal soul and have adopted my perishable body. I thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. May it reign in me. And then the Lord says, you are my part, my portion, and I then can become the carrier of Holy Yahweh. The name Philip in our heart is also called to make us dependent on the Holy Spirit so that we can be led by the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 63, verses 12 through 14. We will talk about this battle horse a little bit more. Who led them by the right hand of Moses with his glorious arm, dividing the water before them to make for himself an everlasting name. Who led them through the deep as a horse in the wilderness that they might not stumble. A battle horse that does not stumble under his rider is an image and prototype of the category of people who are led by the Holy Spirit. Being led by the Holy Spirit is the ability to bridle our lips and be found in submission to the will of God. Psalms 32 verse 9 Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. We ought to have this quality of Philip. The Lord is a lover of this kind of battle horse. How is his battle horse different? It is differs from a wild horse that never had bits on him. He was never bridled, but a battle horse on which the rider sits, he has bits and bridle, bits the word of God that allows us to have meek lips. We must understand that this is an important component, our lips. Our lips show that we are the carriers of Yahweh and not somebody different. If we carry Yahweh and we are this battle horse, then on our lips will be bits, which is the word of God, and we will have the ability to bridle ourselves. The scripture says that we are then led by the Holy Spirit. How are we led? The Holy Spirit showed me this. Holy Spirit told me that. No. Stop making the chickens laugh. The Holy Spirit doesn't work in this way. The Holy Spirit works only through the ability uh, to when we have bridled our lips. 
Furthermore, the name Philip in our heart is called to destroy the nations, or rather to destroy enemy riders on horses, and will make them as his royal horse in battle. They shall be like mighty men who tread down their enemies in the mire on the st- of the streets in the battle. They shall fight because the Lord is with them, and the riders on horses shall be put to shame. These riders today are the flesh demons, religious demons, and these riders ought to be destroyed. What are we doing right now? I, right now, am dwelling in that word that was passed along by the Apostle, and you know that this service in which we dwell, not just me, but all saints who help in our movement, who help Apostle Arkady, that we, with our service, will destroy the riders on horses. We will destroy them. Because that which we do are bits with which we have bridled ourselves. That which they preach in democratic structures or in those structures where they implemented themselves, they do not have bits and bridle. They are not carriers of the Holy Spirit. They have no order. They don't know what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit. They don't know how to carry the weight of the Holy Spirit. How do we define this? Through bits. How closely? Through these bits or through these bridles, the Lord is able to, to, to lead us. Furthermore, the name Philip is called to destroy the nations that are warring with God, with the head being the Antichrist. Revelation 19, 11 through 16. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Here we see a completely different angle, that it turns out that we will not just be carriers of the Holy Spirit, but it turns out that we will also be these riders, and that our bodies are going to be presented as this horse. And the heavenly army followed after him, it says, on white throne, on white horses, meaning we need to bridle our bodies with the word of God, to bridle our lips. If we bridle our lips, we will be able to bridle our whole body. This is a very important component. When Christ is going to descend for the Millennium Kingdom to Armageddon Armageddon to destroy Antichrist and his army, he will come with only those people who are able to ride horses. And to be able to ride a horse, it's necessary to, this horse in the format of our body, to bridle it. No one will say, Lord, can I walk? He says, no. You can walk to the white throne, but when there's the millennial kingdom, the thousand-year kingdom, you will come on horses. That's why it's very important when we come with Christ to the thousand-year reign to have this white horse, to have this body that has been bridled with the bridle of meekness. We'll move on. Covenant of rest is a sixth foundation, Sardius. Revelation 21, 19-20 The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The sixth, Sardius. Sardius means pleasing the heart or calming the heart. That's why they are found in the covenant of rest, this precious Sardius stone. The covenant of rest, this stone, 
it comforts the heart of the Father. In the name of the Apostle, engraved on the sixth foundation of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem was Bartholomew. Matthew 10, 2-3. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these, the sixth Bartholomew. The name Bartholomew means son of Tolmai, meaning Bar, Bar Tolmai. Bar means son. Bartholomew, or son of Tolmai. However, in the Gospel of John, the son of Tolmai, or rather Bartholomew, was called by his personal name, which was Nathaniel, which means gift of God. When Nathaniel had met Christ, Christ called him an Israelite in whom there was no deceit. John chapter 1 verses 45 through 49. Philip found Nathanael. We will pay attention here. We covered that Philip represents for us the covenant of salt. Covenant of salt, and it is he, Philip, the covenant of salt, that finds Nathanael. And Nathanael represents what? The covenant of rest. Philip finds Nathanael and says to him, or the covenant of salt comes to the covenant of rest and says to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And because he's an Israelite in whom there is no deceit, Nathanael said to him, How how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Because at that time under the fig tree he prayed, and there was no one there except for Yahweh. And when he said, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. I was there with you. This is the only apostle that right away stated, You are Yahweh. I know that no one was there 100%. Therefore, the name engraved on the sixth foundation of the wall of heavenly Jerusalem, made out of Sardius, representing in the covenant of rest the true atmosphere of worship in spirit and truth in which there is no deceit. John 4, verses 23 through 24. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such worshippers the Father searches for himself. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. What does the Heavenly Father search for? He searches for Nathanael, the Israelite in whom there is no deceit. This quality the Lord searches for himself, a worshipper, who can worship him in spirit and truth. And this, without this apostle, is impossible. With deceit, it is impossible to worship in spirit and truth. The heart must be cleansed of dead works, so that it could not be magnified before God, and our mind must be humbled before God, so that it does not place its own mind equal to the mind of God. In this, with this, uh, Nathaniel helped us, the true worshiper of God, worshiping in spirit and truth. He had worshipped under the fig tree in spirit and truth. Furthermore, birth from water, the seventh foundation, and it is presented in the precious stone chrysolite. Revelation 21, verses 14 through 20. 
The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones, the seventh chrysolite. The name of the apostle that was engraved on the seventh foundation of heavenly Jerusalem was the name of the apostle Thomas. Matthew 10.2 Now the names of the apostles are these, seventh Thomas. In scripture, the name Thomas is seen eight times, out of which three times we see Thomas called twin. Here we will talk about twins. Twins are born very rarely in about 2% of all pregnancies. Of these, 30% are identical twins, and 70 are fraternal twins. The less than 1%, these are identical twins that are completely, uh, that completely look like one another. And the question arises, what did God want to show in the designation of the twin phenomenon? The name Thomas as a twin in our heart is called to make us holy and unblemished in love before God. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. Where did God uh, choose us or predestine us? In Christ. If He has chosen us in Christ, then we are twins of Christ. Furthermore, the name Thomas as a twin in our heart is expressed in the authority to not be found in the state of sin. 1 John 3, 9 Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Here we talk not about our body or our soul, which sins in its thoughts. We talk here about the one who is born of God, our spirit. He does not sin. Why? Because in our spirit dwells the seed of God. Our spirit is equal to God, and it is a twin of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because the seed of God dwells in this person. How are twins born? One egg cell and one sperm. When they meet together, there is conception and a zygote forms. And then, during a week, 14 days maximum, the zygote divides in an unknown way, it divides into two, and in the womb there are two identical in, two identical children that form. Sometimes there are fraternal twins, two different eggs, um, and here in the phenomenon of identical twins, we have one egg and one sperm. First, this one is Christ. And here it is written that the seed of the man dwells in you, and then it is separated. We are sitting here. This is that zygote that has separated, and we are twins of Christ. Here we are, of course, referring to our spirit. But now we need to place these characteristics of Christ in our thoughts, in our soul, and in our perishable body, so that we can be as the Lord Jesus. In our bodies, it must also being the likeness of Christ. In the book of Revelation, when John saw on the island of Patmos, he saw Christ and his glory in a vision, then he fell before him. He died, and we are twins of Christ. The Lord will show his glory. He will show his glory in saints here on earth. Furthermore, the name Thomas as a twin in our heart is the ability to be an organized part of the church. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 through 11. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to 
the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, through whom, through the church, through whom, can the angels know of the Lord, through the church, through the chosen remnant of God, why, because we are twins of Christ, the name Thomas, called twin, we look like God, they look in those precious stones that are in our heart, and through them, they find out about the greatness of God. Furthermore, the name Thomas as a twin in our heart is a kind of power over all spirits that is made known and held to the authorities and rulers of the darkness of his age. Acts 19.13-16 And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Paul looked like Christ and those seven sons of the priest Skeva. They said, you know, you don't look like the apostle. You don't look like Christ. Who are you? And he took such power over them that he had uh, destroyed them. And this was made known in great horror and fear that came upon that place. Furthermore, birth from the Spirit, the next teaching, this is the eighth foundation, the precious barrel stone. Revelation 21, verses 14, 20, the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones, the eighth Beryl. The name that was engraved on the eighth foundation of the wall of heavenly Jerusalem is the name Matthew the tax collector or Levi Alphaeus. Matthew 10.2. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The eighth Matthew the tax collector. Tax collector is a kind of profession. He gathers uh, the government taxes. The name Matthew means a gift of, from God or a messenger of God. However, Matthew the tax collector had also another name by which he is called by the evangelist John. This name is Levi Alphaeus. The name Levi means attached and the name of his father Alphaeus means famous. Thus, based on the meaning contained in the four names, the apostle Matthew the tax collector called Levi Alphaeus means the famous messenger of the father called to collect what is holy unto the Lord in the face of the chosen in order to bind them to Christ. The name Matthew the tax collector as the gatherer of what is holy and binding it to Christ is cooperation with the Holy Spirit who feeds his flock in the gardens and gathers lilies. Songs of Solomon chapter 6 verses 2 through 3 My beloved has gone to his garden, to the beds of spices, to feed his flock in the gardens and to gather lilies. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. He feeds his flock among the lilies. So he went to go gather the lilies. He went to go gather the person who has the quality of Matthew the tax collector called Levi Alphaeus. Furthermore, the name Matthew the tax collector, as the gatherer of what is holy and binding it to Christ, is the gathering of waters that are under heaven in one place. Let's take a look at if we have this component, Matthew the tax collector. Genesis chapter 1, verses 9 through 10. Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. The need to gather waters in its place was comprised of the land being shown, which God called the earth. The soil of the human heart will become the place for the sowing and tilling of the seed of the kingdom of heaven. That's why when we gather at church, 
I must tell my waters, my own understandings, if they are still there, to gather into one place and for the land to appear. Meaning I have come to this place to be this land, to be this good soil that is going to accept the revelation of the Word of God. And if I come to service and if I prepare myself to hearing the Word, what does this say? That I have the quality, Matthew the tax collector, called Levi Alphaeus. Furthermore, Matthew the tax collector, as the gatherer of what is holy and binding it to Christ, is a thorough cleaning of the threshing floor and the gathering of wheat into God's barn. Luke 3.17 His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chafe he will burn with unquenchable fire. The wheat are his twins and belongings that abide in the preached word. A winnowing fan, thoroughly cleaning out the threshing floor, is the preached word of the messengers of God about sanctification. John 15.3 says, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Through our relationship to the word of God, the Lord defines if we have this quality and if we are this wheat. That's why if we have these characteristics, Matthew the tax collector called Levi Alphaeus, then this means that we are his wheat. And if these characteristics are not there, we are tares, and the winnowing fan will separate us, some to be burned and others to place into the house of God. Let us again continue. Birth to the throne, the ninth foundation out of topaz stone. Revelation 21, verses 14-20 The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones, the ninth, topaz. Although I'm never corrected the way in which I, if I'm mispronouncing this stone or not. Pastor was corrected in his young age. Pastor... One time a teacher said to me, you have three errors. I said, oh, this is victory. She says, you have three mistakes in one word. I said, okay, well, this is a problem. The ninth foundation, Topaz. The name on this foundation was the name James, the son of Alphaeus. Matthew 10, 2 through 3. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The ninth, James, the son of Alphaeus. The name James means he holds on to the heel, he will take captive, he will leave a mark, he will protect, he will win. Well, the name of Jacob's brother in this foundation is Alphaeus, which means famous or distinctive, both in appearance and in content. Therefore, joined together the names James and Alphaeus in combination means God will create total victory over the enemies of his chosen remnant will clothe him in royal garments and will give him the throne of glory and make him distinctive in all nations and peoples. And when we read, we say, Lord, we, we want this. He says, well, then it's necessary to have the characteristic of James Alphaeus. And if this is present, I will define this based on the fact that your heart will, be look, will look like the precious topaz stone. The name James Alphaeus we see in scripture, uh, the name is called to separate the righteous from the wicked. Malachi 3, 17-18 says, 
they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. So the name James Alphaeus will allow us to prove this, will produce this separation between the righteous and the wicked, and not just. Right now, the righteous are left. Right now, now we will separate the righteous. The name James Alphaeus is called to magnify those sitting on the throne and distinguish them from those who are not born to the throne. Take a look at what the name James Alphaeus does, what ministry he has. First, he separates the righteous from the wicked, good, we have selected righteousness, we have entered through the narrow gates, and now the Lord says, Now I want to magnify you on the throne of the glory of God. We say, Lord, well, how will you do this? Songs of Solomon, chapter 6, verses 8 through 9. There are sixty queens and eighty concubines and virgins without number. My dove, my perfect one, is the only one, the only one of her mother, the favorite of the one who bore her. The daughters saw her and called her blessed, the queens and the concubines, and they praised her. This is the dis, the one who is distinctive, the dove, pure, the only one. These qualities ought to be present. The dove, and not just the quality of a dove or the quality of the Holy Spirit, but also other qualities. The sixty queens, the dove also has this quality. So we reign in the limits of our body when over us, we have the seal of God. When we show our rule, our dominion over money, it means that we have 60 queens. And the only one had this quality. But the 60 queens did not have the quality of a dove. We also have the 80 concubines, 80 are people of the covenant. The covenant is different the covenant of blood, the covenant of salt, and the covenant of rest. Different. Eighty concubines, and the covenant, it differs a person in God. And the virgins without number, they are those that receive justification as a gift of grace, the redemption in Christ Jesus. All of these qualities the beloved had, the one who was made distinctive. She also had the quality of a dove, had the quality of a dove. And this is an important quality that the Holy Spirit has and Jesus allowed the Holy Spirit to lead the dove to him so that the dove could be in the likeness of him. And that's why the Holy Spirit works. And the Holy Spirit, when he sees his illumination in someone, he knows, according to those qualities, that this is a dove. This is an important quality that lacked in the 60 queens, the 80 concubines, and the virgins without number. They lacked the quality of a dove. They had gifts of the Holy Spirit. But these were spiritual manifestations. They didn't have the character of the Holy Spirit. And the character of the Holy Spirit is, is something precious. The name James Alphaeus, furthermore, is called to make us a dove whose wings are covered with silver and her feathers with yellow gold. Psalm 68, 13-14 Though you lie down among the sheepfold, you will be like the wings of a dove covered with silver and her feathers with yellow gold. When the Almighty scattered kings in it, it was white as snow in Zalman wings covered with silver 
is evidence about redemption from the sinful life of our fathers and our belonging to the heritage of God, and the feathers covered in gold is the state and level of dedication that is founded on redemption. This level of dedication allows us to sit on the throne and to be priests. If we have this dove, her wings are covered with silver, demonstrates redemption, and feathers and gold. This will express itself in a special kind of dedication. Let us continue on. The goodwill, the ninth foundation, made out of the chrysoprase stone. Revelation 21, verses 14 through 20. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles, the tenth chrysoprase. The name engraved on chrysoprase, out of which was built the ninth foundation of the walls of heavenly Jerusalem, is the name Judas James, or Labaius Thaddeus. Matthew chapter 10, verses 2 through 3. Now the names of the apostles are these, the tenth, Labaius, whose surname was Thaddeus, or Levi called Thaddeus. Labaius called Thaddeus is in fact Judas the son of James. The name Judas means praise God or praise Yahweh. The name James means he holds on to the heel, he will hold captive, he will leave a mark, he will protect, he will win. And therefore merged and united into one, the name Judas and James, in their totality, mean praising God will leave its indelible mark and will serve as an eternal memorial for heaven, earth, and hell with the fact of who God is for his people and what God did for them. The name Judas James is called to praise God when we will be taught his statutes. This is that tenth foundation. Judas, James, meaning Judas is praise, and James is the praise that leaves a mark in heaven and in hell. Lord, how do we have this kind of praise? To learn a place of scripture by memory? No, it's necessary for any psalm to become the property of your heart. How can it become the property of our heart? It shouldn't be memorized. It is necessary to accept in the format of the preached word. And then here, this psalm, Psalm 1, the popular one in, among Christians, it is written about here. Why? Because when I pray with the first psalm, when I express it, I know what I am praying about. I, in each word, I contain and hold the meaning. And in this is everything. When I simply uh, pray what I have memorized but don't understand, God doesn't hear this prayer. This is like fish that blow bubbles in the water. But when we proclaim the faith of our heart, we need to learn through this word what it means. I will read it, I will hear it, I will understand it, and then I can pray according to these words. It's necessary to have a teacher. And let us take a look where Judas James reveals himself. Psalms 119 verses 171. My lips shall utter plays for you teach me your statutes, meaning I will praise you when you teach me. Let us take a look at the word to praise and to teach. To praise is to list the names and titles of God. This is to list the perfect works of God, to thank God for the works He has done, to thank God for the works He has done, praise God in confessions and songs, what we do in the beginning and end of service, we praise God, we sing to Him. Also, to praise is that which was hidden away from many people but was uncovered for us, 
means to remain and not leave your assembly, to be true to your calling, to study and fulfill God's desires, to trust and have hope in God. This also means to praise God. The key to mastering the strategy of praise is in the semantic meaning of the verb teach. You'll pray, you'll utter praise when, when you, Lord, through your person will teach me. To teach includes to send a teacher and mentor, to learn to be a disciple according to your statutes, to learn from statutes, to pay the price for discipleship, to be trained to act within God's statutes, to be instructed in the way of God's statutes, to be prepared to comply with God's statutes, and to be trained to praise God's statutes. This is the abundance that is contained in this tenth foundation. The acceptable will, eleventh foundation, made out of the prescience, jacinth stone. Revelation 21, verses 14 and 20. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb, the eleventh foundation, jacinth, the name engraved on jacinth, out of which was built the eleventh foundation of the walls of heavenly Jerusalem, is the name Simon the Canaanite. Matthew 10, 2-4, now the names of the twelve apostles are these, the eleventh Simon the Canaanite. The name Simon on the foundation of the acceptable will means to hear, whereas his nickname Canaanite means zealot. Canaanite, zealot. Zealous for the word. Together the name Simon the Canaanite means... To please God or collaborate with the acceptable will of God, it is necessary to have an open ear to hear what the Spirit says to the churches through the preached word of the kingdom of heaven, and it is necessary to be zealous for the will of God, which means to languish in anticipation of the fulfillment of God's wills, God's judgments. Simon Canaanite, I hear so that I can fulfill. Simon Jonah Lord, my heart is cleansed, simple, in order to accept your word, Simon the Canaanite, that word that I've accepted, Lord, now I demonstrate zeal so that I can fulfill it, and now soon will reach Judah Simon, now, Lord, I praise you, and you hear me. Right now we're talking about Simon the Canaanite. Simon the Canaanite in her heart is called to make us open to the preached word about Christ. Acts 16, verse 14. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Simon the Canaanite 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 3 through 4 But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, can shine on them. Blind minds are those who don't have these characteristics of Simon the Canaanite. When we hear, we hear to fulfill what we have heard. When we hear, what is going to be something new that I hear today? Is Daniel going to talk about the teaching, although we don't have these people, but I'm providing the, uh, an illust illustration. For, uh, and also on the, for us, on the contrary, we have people here that are grateful to be repeating the teaching again and affirming it. 
here we are talking about how how this Lydia how she was ready to accept in her heart because she wanted to fulfill that which the Apostle would tell her but blind minds are those who have their own understandings and when they hear and sometimes people approaches and says what should I do in my situation and you must warn that if I tell you you must fulfill it if not you will hold a curse upon yourself should I give you an answer they say oh better not okay goodbye a person comes and says what will you advise when I give you this piece of advice you do two things either listen to it or not and you will have a curse and then a person thinks should I listen or should I carry this curse on myself Simon the Canaanite in our heart in our heart it is called to give us the ability to test the source of information 2nd Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5 examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith test yourselves do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified beloved do not believe every spirit but test the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets have gone out into the world this is 1st John chapter 4 verse 1 what is necessary for us to do it is necessary for us to study the source of information the source of information is the person who tells me when I hear the word Simon the Canaanite comes and he says I'm gonna help you who is this person who is speaking to you I don't know I found him on YouTube close it don't listen to him understood and when I come to church Simon the Canaanite says have you prepared your heart is your receptor ready to accept the preached word therefore Simon the Canaanite helps us first to test the source of information who is speaking to me and secondly the receptor of that information meaning is my heart going to be ready to accept this word furthermore uh, the perfect will of the twelfth foundation amethyst Revelation chapter 21 verses 14 20 now the wall of the city had twelve foundations and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb the twelfth foundation amethyst the wonderful amethyst stone and translation from the ancient Greek language means sober or virgin which in this foundation we presented by the name of the Apostle Judas Simon now Matthew 10 verses 2 through 4 the names of the twelve apostles are these the twelfth is Judas Iscariot who also betrayed him and John 12 4 both one of his disciples Judas Iscariot Simon's son who would betray him this is the name Judas Simon what a wonderful fate and it was lost by him how pastor had showed us that all that is tied to God it is tied firstly with a name with a place with a calling and with sovereign rights which the Lord endows his creation whether this be angels or whether these be his children people they have a name they have a place they have a calling and they have sovereign rights and the Lord says to them you have full right to serve me or to serve devil to love me or to hate me you have the full right to choose life or death blessing or curse but I ask you choose life and then he is silent and then the decision is behind us this decision stands with us Judas Simon the name Judas means praise Yahweh while the name Simon means to hear or listen in their totality these two names in the 12th foundation of the wall of heavenly Jerusalem will mean 
empowered to offer praise to God in the format of God's perfect will that God will hear. To lift such praise in the format of God's perfect will that God will hear. This is Simon, the name Simon. The name Simon, which stands behind the name Judas, tells us that in this case, God hears the prayer of a person who is able to communicate with him in the format of a kind of praise that meets the requirements of his perfect will. Because only through praise, built on the requirements of the perfect will, God will bring the fulfillment of final decree over the fallen angels and wicked people. This is is a decree that cannot be altered since it is the just and eternal retribution for the evil that was sown, and simultaneously it is the great reward for the good that was sown. Psalm 68, verses 20-28 Our God is the God of salvation, and to God the Lord belong escapes from death, but God will wound the head of His enemies, the hairy scalp of the one who still goes on His trespasses. The Lord said, I will bring them back from Bashan, I will bring them back from the depths of the sea, that your foot may crush them in blood, and the tongues of your dogs may have their portion from your enemies. They have seen your procession, O God, the procession of my God, my King, into my sanctuary. Your God has commanded your strength. Strengthen, O God, what you have done for us. These words, the Lord says, what have I done for you? Here, uh, David writes what God has done for him. He gives God the right to interfere on earth. Because David, when he prayed with the Psalms, he prayed only according to the perfect will. Therefore, God will not ever do anything on planet earth. If a person does not ask him in the format of the perfect will, in the format of the perfect will of God. Then these twelve names of the apostles, and now let's let's answer one small question. Which names of the apostles are seen most often? Simon and James. The name of Simon is seen three times and it means to hear. Simon Jonah. My heart is cleansed to receive the word of God. Simon Canaanite, that which I have heard, I will fulfill what I have heard. Judah Simon, and I will proclaim it in the format of praise and the perfect will so that God can hear my praise. Furthermore, the name James is seen three times. And this means that he holds on to the heel he will hold captive, he will leave a mark, he will protect, and he will overcome. And this is Apostle James Zebedee, James Alphaeus, and Judas James. This means that this quality and characteristic that must be found in our heart is very important for God. And therefore, tied and united together, these three names mean God will protect His holiness and people in the dignity of His all-consuming and all-devouring zeal, after which God will produce total victory over the enemies of his chosen remnant, will clothe him in his royal dignity, will give him the throne of glory, and will make him distinctive among all nations and from all nations. And finally, God will endow with the powers to lift praise to God in the format of the perfect will of God which God will hear. Furthermore, the name Judas, it is seen twice among the apostles, and it means praise to God or praise to Yahweh. 
this is Judas James and Judas Simon. And therefore, tied and united together, these names mean endowed with the powers to lift praise to God in the format of the perfect will of God, which God will hear, and this kind of praise to God will leave its indelible mark and will serve as an eternal memorial for the heavens, earth, and hell. So practically, what I have done before church, I took pastor's notes and very quickly I gathered all of these small crosswords and I was astonished. In 12, they were beautifully presented and then when we began to look at the name Simon, these three names together, it is all harmonious. And I thought, my, my Lord, it is harmonious, the name James, the name Judas. Whatever angle we look at it, it's in full harmony. Furthermore, the name Alphaeus seen twice means famous or distinctive, both in appearance and its inner contents. This is Levi Alphaeus and James Alphaeus. And therefore, tied and united together, the names mean famous messenger of the Father called to gather what is holy unto the Lord in the face of the remnants to bind them to Christ, after which God will produce total victory over the enemies of his remnant, will clothe in his royal dignity, will give him the throne of glory, and will make him distinctive in all nations and from all nations. And the name Levi, seen twice, means attached or tied to God, Levi Alphaeus and Judas James or Lebeus. And therefore, tied and united together, these names mean the famous messenger of the Father called to gather what is holy unto the Lord in the face of the remnants to bind them to Christ. And through the praise of the remnants, God will leave his indelible mark and will serve as an eternal memorial for the heavens, earth, and hell. And you can also continue uh, the name Zebedee called They are those that declare the anger of God, another important component that is called to become the characteristic of our heart. And we, saints, right now are going to pray. We are going to pray, and I call upon this place all of those who today are going to uh, declare the anger of God, and those who are those that declare. And the anger of God doesn't begin when He begins to pour out His anger on this world, on His church, when He places His throne of judgment. He today pours out this anger through us. When we condemn our sin, when we condemn that lust that gave birth to sin, and when we repent before God, do we need to repent in our thoughts? Sometimes some pastors say, I repent in all. No, we must repent only in that which gave birth to our sins. Therefore, if our leaders force us to repent of those repent of those sins which are were only in our thoughts this is categorically prohibited we will repent only of those sins that we have done that have been produced or born by our thoughts for this committed sin but while it is in our thoughts we will fight the Lord said to Cain fight Sin is at your door. He didn't say repent. He said fight. And Cain said, I don't want to fight. I don't want, or rather, I don't want to repent. I want to do this sin. We call you out upon the altar. We have time. 
For when we hear the voice of the Lord, we do not harden our hearts. We wait for you at the altar. I will pray with our prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for us. He is not against us. He has loved us with his everlasting love. He has given us the work of his redemption. He has stood between us and our enemies in order to protect us and to li lift us up to his level. Your eyes closed, an element of the secret room. Your hands raised to the heavens. This is a sign that our hands are without anger and doubt. Please pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you and upon this holy place in the congregation of your holy people, I uncover my heart that you may see my pain, my suffering, my wound that has been brought upon by sin and lust which I despise and which I reject. I come to you, my dependency, fear, illness, a wounded honor, a wounded dignity, and I ask you to forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal my wound, restore me, protect me by the blood of your Son, and right now, before heaven and hell, and I want to declare that according to your word, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am restored, I am justified, I am saved. Your sins are forgiven you and your transgressions in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He look down upon you with His holy countenance and have mercy upon you and give you peace. May around you fall thousands and tens of thousands, but not draw near you. May all the blessings of the ancient hills and everlasting mountains come upon you. May with a noise be cast out of your body the power of death. 
and may in its place be built up the power of life and resurrection. May all of this come upon you and upon all of your descendants, and let all the people say, Amen. Let us conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory in unblemished joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.